Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. And we're in week six of a seven-part series that we're calling Fundamentals. And this series is all about how to have a relationship with God. And I wanted to make sure that you knew kind of the origins of the name of this series. Like where we got the inspiration from this series was actually a story I heard a while ago about Kobe Bryant. Uh, the iconic NBA basketball player who two weeks today tragically lost his life in a helicopter crash along with his uh, daughter Gianna and seven other people. And it was really, I mean, it, it kind of it hit our world in a way where I know after church two weeks ago, my phone just started blowing up just from people. Hey, did you hear about Kobe? Because he made such a impact in his time, whether that be basketball or, or off the court. Um, but one of the things that will be remembered the most about Kobe was his legendary work ethic. There was actually a name for it that he kind of coined himself. You know you're awesome when you like give yourself a nickname and then it sticks. And, um, and so this Mamba mentality, I don't know if you've heard that, but it's just kind of like, it's this legendary work ethic that he had. And I heard this story that before he retired, a reporter was granted this exclusive access to watch one of his famous individual workouts. Like before that, no reporter had ever gotten access to these individual workouts. And Kobe told him that he was going to start everything at four o'clock. That's, that's a.m., people. 4 a.m., everything was going to start. So this reporter, he wanted to impress Kobe, and so he got up early and actually showed up to the gym early. But when he showed up, not only was Kobe already there, he was already sweating because he had already been through a workout before he even got there. And so he shows up, and he's in there, and you know he was already dripping with sweat, and he watched this whole individual workout. And while he was impressed by his dedication, he was actually bored to death during the workout because he expected to see Kobe doing these never before seen practice techniques. But what he actually saw was Kobe practicing the fundamentals. That literally for an hour, he was just doing basic shooting and and passing and dribbling drills that they teach kids in elementary school. He was doing these basic fundamentals. And so he asked Kobe after it was all done, like, why are you spending so much time practicing the basics? And this was his response. Why do you think I'm the best player in the world? Because I never ever get bored with the basics. And when I heard that, something kind of triggered in my soul that if you took anybody that you believe had a great relationship with God, I'm talking about like a good, healthy, consistent, close relationship with God that just seems to keep getting better. And you looked behind the scenes at their individual workouts, you're going to see them obsessed with the fundamentals that we've been talking about in this series. Because we believe, and this whole series is built on this thought, that that type of a relationship, a better and better relationship with God, is found in these fundamentals. And so, so far, we've talked about five fundamentals that will help you have that relationship with God. We've talked about 
prayer and the Bible and purpose and worship and community. And no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, you can start applying these. I'm telling you, I have such a passion in this series to make sure that you know you can have a relationship with God. You can. You can. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter like, like what you've been through. You can have it. And I believe it begins with these fundamentals. And this week, we're going to be talking, guys, we're talking about a subject that I've never preached about in 16 years of full-time ministry. Never. And, um, and I just feel so strong from God. I really do. I feel so strong from God that this could be the most important message all year. I felt like he told me that when I was preparing, that I believe that what we talk about today has the potential to impact every single area of your life, that it has the potential to take you to a new level of trust and dependency on God, that what we talk about today could unlock miracles and provision in your life like never before, that it could be the key that breaks stress, anxiety, and depression off of your life. I believe with all my heart that what we talk about today could drastically affect your mental, physical, and emotional health. And so today, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because they're gonna check them in heaven. We're gonna be talking about the fundamental of, write this down, rest. Rest. We're gonna be talking about rest. And just by show of hands, just a moment of honesty in church, I believe that church should be the safest place to talk about anything. So just by show of hands, how many of you at some point this week, at some point this week, you either said out loud or you thought internally this thought, I'm so tired. How many of you ever just, some hands went up so fast. <laughs> I'm so tired. I found a study this week that said that 40% of Americans wake up every single morning tired. In other words, that we wake up tired, we live all day long tired, we go to bed tired only to rinse and repeat the same day over and over again, same week over and over again, same month, year after year, and it leaves us in this constant state of exhaustion. And I think that so many of us are so tired because we're so busy. We're overcommitted, we're stretched thin, we're going nonstop. It feels like we're professional plate spinners and we're just so busy. And, so, and, and it's not enough for us to just be busy. Everybody must know that you're busy. So we tell everybody, I'm so busy. <laughs> In fact, like one of the most frequently like responses to the question that I ask people a lot, which is how are you doing? Like one of the, I'm telling you the most common response right now, so busy. I'm just so busy. It's like, I'm not talking about your schedule. I want to know the condition of your soul, but no, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. <laughs> it's like busy has become part of our identity. And we wear our busyness as a badge of honor. That like, if I could just be, like I, and we compare our busyness. You know, like, oh, you think you're busy? Let me tell you about how busy I am. And so it, it's like becomes this badge of honor, becomes our identity of just being busy. And there's such dangerous consequences that not only are we more tired than ever before, if you study any stat, like we're more stressed than ever before. 
That whenever we do a survey like we did last Easter, one of the top questions are, help me with my stress. And so we're stressed out, we're more anxious than ever, we're more depressed than ever, like mental illness is spiking all around our world and people are exhausted and we're tired and busy and here's my theory. Here's my personal theory. It may be right, it may not be, but here's my theory after thinking about this a lot leading up to today. I believe we are so tired because we don't know how to rest. That's why you can sleep in and you still are tired. That's why you can go on vacation and still be tired. Because we're so tired, because we don't know how to rest. So our issue is not the presence of tiredness, busyness, or stress. It's the absence of rest. But here's the good news. We don't have to live that way. That doesn't have to be our normal that God has given us a rhythm, a fundamental of how to live our lives where we can experience real rest. That get this, he modeled all the way back at creation. He himself modeled this. Listen to this, Genesis chapter two, starting in verse two. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. I want you to notice that God did not rest because he was tired. Theologically, God can't get tired. He doesn't take naps, he doesn't get tired. Like he, he did not rest because he was tired, he rested because he was finished. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That means he set it apart, different than all other six. He set it apart because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I want you to notice this rhythm. So God created for six days, he worked for six days, and then he rested for one day. I want you to think about this. On day six, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, on day six, God created man. So on day seven, God rested. So man's first day alive, was a day of rest. So from day one of humanity, God was teaching us that rest is essential. Now the theological term for this day of rest is known as this, Sabbath. It's known as Sabbath. So when you read your Bible and you see this word Sabbath, it just means this day of rest. It's a Hebrew word that means to stop working or to rest. But here's my working definition. I, I, I like to sometimes take these, these thoughts that are sometimes kind of spiritually confusing and very deep, and I love to kind of put the cookies on the bottom shelf. I have a Middle Tennessee public school education. I want everybody to get this stuff. So this is kind of, this is kind of my working def definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is God's rhythm of setting apart one day a week to stop working to intentionally rest and refresh. So it's God's rhythm. Not my rhythm, not your rhythm. It's God's rhythm of setting apart one day a week to stop working, to intentionally rest and refresh. And by the way, this is a big deal to God. And here's how I know. It made God's top 10 list. And so I don't know if you know, but God has a top 10 list. In the Old Testament, it's called the 10 Commandments not the 10 suggestions. 
And listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 20. This is, this is by the way, the longest commandment because I think God knew that it would be hard for us to actually get it. And he said this in Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a, is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your li- even your animals don't need to do anything, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. God is serious about this. Guys, this is on the same list as don't have any other gods, don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery, on the same list, these 10 commandments. But I hear this all the time. Yeah, but Pastor Brian, that's the Old Testament. That's OT. That's the law. Now we're under grace, which is true. We are under grace. So we don't keep the commandments to be saved. We are saved only by grace, through faith in Jesus. But we keep the commandments to be blessed because there are positive consequences when we observe them and there are negative consequences when we don't. And Sabbath still applies today. Let let me just prove it. Name one out of the other 10 commandments that doesn't apply today. The murder part, no, that's Old Testament, that's law. (laughs) We don't do that. See, in the Old Testament, it was a commandment. But now, in the New Testament, after Jesus, it's an invitation. That's what Hebrews chapter 4, verse says. In the New Testament, it says this in verse 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, that Sabbath, it still stands. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Verse nine, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's there, it's for us, it's a gift. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. So my question is, when I read a verse like that, make every effort to enter that rest, why? Tell me why. I need to understand why this is such a big deal. Why is this so important? And so let me give you three things. Number one, Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. That's one of the greatest whys behind this because it gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. Let me share this story with you in Exodus chapter 16. But I need to give you a little bit of context before we read the verses. This is actually the first time the word Sabbath is used in the Bible. This is four chapters before the 10 commandments. And the people of God just got out of slavery. They're in what's known as the wilderness and they're traveling in a large group. So there's very limited resources and God is supernaturally providing food from heaven every single day called manna. And this manna would appear every single day, they would walk out and it would just be there. And they would be able to collect it every single day, but it was only good for one day before it would turn bad. 
And he told them that on the day before the Sabbath, because that's a problem, because if your food only lasts one day and you can't go out and collect it, then what are you gonna do on that day? So is that day just a day of fasting? No, God provided there because on that day before the Sabbath, he told them to go collect enough for two days and food would supernaturally somehow only on that day last an extra day. And so that's the context before we read verse 23. And it says, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you wanna bake and boil what you wanna boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it did not stink or get maggots in it. It somehow supernaturally lasted. And he said, eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath, is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. God is saying that I'm not going to provide for you on that day because I've already supernaturally provided for you the six days before. In other words, if you work on that day, you can do it, but I'm just not gonna be there with you. And then he said this in verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it. I didn't believe it. They went out, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. See, God, this is a way for God to be able to provide supernaturally. This is just like the principle of tithing. See, tithing is believing that God can do more with your 90% of your finances than you can do with 100%. And Sabbath is believing that God can do more with six days than you can do with seven. This is the tithe of your time. And that goes against logic. I, I get it. That goes against everything that we're taught. It goes against the American dream. That the more you work and the, the more you hustle, that you if just grit, it can do that. I get it. It goes against all logic. And if you don't think God can do more in six days than you can do with seven, look at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Christian chicken, the gospel bird. It's so good. You seen them lines? I'm telling you, God can do more with six than you can do with seven. In a fast food industry where most are open seven days a week, a lot of them open 24 hours a day. Like Chick-fil-A is only open six days because of this principle. It's because of this principle. And get this, they make more per restaurant than McDonald's, Starbucks, and Subway combined. I almost titled the message closed on Sunday. Everybody wants to say it right now. <laughs> You're my, yeah. Chick 
But here's what's really at the heart of Sabbath. If you want to know what the heart is, like what, what's the heart issue? Because it's not, it's not about time. I promise you it's not about time. Just like tithing isn't about money. Here's, here's the heart of the issue. Here's the question. Do I really trust God? That is the heart of the issue. Do I trust God? Do I really trust that God's ways are better than my ways? Do I really trust that God and God alone is my provider? Not me, not my job, not my work ethic, but that God is my provider. You can say that you trust God and that God is my provider, but let me see your schedule. See, keeping the Sabbath is all about this. I'm going to trust God with six days instead of trusting in me with seven days. That's really what the heart of this principle is all about. And this is one of those things that requires faith. I'm sorry, there's no way around it. There is no way around the fact that this will require a tremendous amount of faith. And it's one of those things that you're probably just gonna have to try. Because there is no other way around it. It will require faith. So Sabbath, it gives God the opportunity to provide supernaturally. Here's number two. Number two, Sabbath is a gift, not a legalistic rule. Sabbath is a gift. And it's important to realize that perspective. It is a gift, not a legalistic rule. In Exodus chapter 20, that's where God gives the commandment of Sabbath as a gift. But get this, over time, religious leaders added 39 legalistic rules on top of this commandment. So God gives this commandment and then religious leaders say, no, 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 here's 39 additional rules on top of this commandment, turning it from a gift to a legalistic rule, from a blessing to a burden, from a delight to a duty. And by the way, that's what religion does. It adds all these things on top that really feels like it's weighing you down where the beauty of the gospel is that it makes everything lighter and it takes pressure off, not puts pressure on. Because it's not about us earning something. It's not us performing something. And so it, it takes this, this gift and turns it into a legalistic rule. But Jesus himself reminds us in Mark chapter two, verse 27, where he says, but the Sabbath was made to benefit men and not man to benefit the Sabbath. In other words, that this should be a gift, not a legalistic rule. So let me get very practical just for a few minutes and answer some of the like, most frequently asked questions that I get about this, about this topic. So I, I get asked this question a lot because it's actually something that has become a massive passion for me and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But I get asked a lot of questions and here's one of the questions I get asked. Does my Sabbath need to be a specific day? Does it need to be like, is there a specific day? Because in the Old Testament and the, and the original Jewish people that were given this, it was always on Saturday. And then when the, when the church started, a lot of times it was traditionally on Sunday for, for the early Christians. And so should it be one of those days? Should it be Saturday? Should it be Sunday? Listen, it should work with your schedule. Um, I don't know if you know this, I work on the weekend. <laughs> and so my Sabbath is on Fridays. That, that's, when I, that's when I spend that time. That's when I intentionally disconnect from a lot of things. For me, it's always Friday. 
So that, that just give you a little bit of, of permission that whatever your schedule works, maybe it is on Saturday or Sunday, maybe you work Monday through Friday and for you it's, it's good to take one of those days to make sure that I'm intentionally spending this time. A lot of people today make that on Sunday and this is part of what you do. I'm coming to the house of God on my Sabbath and I'm getting refreshed and I'm getting rested and I'm serving people and it's maybe part of your rhythm there. So does my Sabbath need to be a specific day? No. Okay, here's another question I get asked. What should I not do on my Sabbath? So what should I not do? And the Bible is very clear on this one. You don't work or do anything related to your vocation. That means no emails, no conference calls, no meetings, no messages, no receipts. Like it can wait one day. It can wait one day. And so you don't do any, now I'm not legalistic about it. So if something comes up, like on a Friday, like an emergency, I just don't be like, sorry, I'm, I'm disconnected. I'm sorry, I can't do anything. No, because that would make it very legalistic. And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not legalistic about it. If something comes up like emergencies, I will make exceptions. Jesus himself even says in Matthew chapter 12 that if your ox falls into a ditch on the Sabbath, pull him out. Like don't leave him in the ditch, pull him out. It does, that's what it says. But I'll add this. If your ox falls into the ditch every week, you're a bad leader, a bad manager, and bad employee. Can I go there? Can I go there? Is this okay? Sorry. Sorry. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That shouldn't happen every week. Think about some systems and structure if that is happening every week, okay? Um, So here's the third question I get asked a lot. What should I do on my Sabbath? What should I do? So do I just be a slug all day? Do I sleep Do I just sit around and do nothing? No, Sabbath is not laziness. Um, I wrote this down, doing nothing won't do nothing. That is three negatives in five words. That's awful grammar, but great preaching. Doing nothing won't do nothing. See, I found that what I do on my Sabbath is just as important as what I don't do. Because we have a very limited amount of energy and like a phone, if we don't recharge, we will eventually run out. So on my rest days, I intentionally do things where I rest and refresh and recharge me. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that we have four tanks, that we all have a spiritual tank, a physical tank, a mental tank, and an emotional tank, all of them. And all four of these, here's what you gotta understand. They're all four constantly going down. Just because of life, just because you're breathing, that energy is coming down every single day. Every single day, those things are constantly going down. And when any of these four, any of these four get on empty, that's when major problems happen. That's when we make bad choices, have moral failures. That's when we're prone to anxiety and depression. That's when we cope in unhealthy ways. That's when we have massive relational conflict. So on my Sabbath, on my day of rest, I intentionally do things that make massive deposits into these four tanks. So that's what I choose. And listen, that could be different for each and every one of us. So for me in the spiritual tank, maybe that like, this is what I do on my Sabbath. For that, 
one thing that I do is I do my devos without a clock. Because most of the time it's all always up against the clock and I got to get to a meeting and I got where, but when I can just spend time with God and not be rushed, I feel so refreshed. Maybe for you, it's coming to church. And this is part of what that, that just fills up these massive deposits in that tank. See, for physical, maybe it's working out. For me, it is sleeping with no alarm. I'm telling you, even if I wake up at the same time, there's just something about when my, my body just says it's time. And so that's something I try to do on my Sabbath is I tried to make sure that I go to sleep without an alarm clock. And that just, maybe for you, it's taking a walk or, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do to help fill that. For mental, for me, it's, it, this one's so much about what I don't do because a lot of what I do is creating. And so my brain gets tired. And so I just don't wanna create anything. And so it's a lot of what I, but maybe I know some people that when they get to do something creatively with their mind, that's when like they, they, it really fills up their tanks. Maybe it's something with art or um, my, my friend right here that leads worship so well, David Suey, what he does a lot of times on his day of rest is he actually builds a floor plan. And that, that gives you rest, right? Like it just is good for your mind. And so emotional, so for that one, for me, that, I mean, there's a lot of different things that kind of fit in there. You know, it's maybe watching a movie that makes you laugh or you know, treating yourself to something. Maybe for me, it's like I love pour over coffees on my, on my Sabbath because I don't do that a lot of times during the week, but I want to treat myself on that day. Um, this is kind of a weird one for me, but it's like hand-washing dishes or sweeping. I don't know why, it just, I like it. And um, it's kind of, could be a lot of different things. Um, find what works for you because what I do may not work for you, but if my bullet fits your gun, shoot it. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you because I want you to know that, that this could change your life. It really can. I believe it. In fact, I felt this burden this morning. I feel like this could save, some, like, save your life. I feel like it could save your life. And so those are some questions. Because here's the thing I just want you to get. Sabbath is a gift, not a legalistic rule. Okay, here's number three. Here's number three. Sabbath is coming one way or another. And I think it's important that you get this. Sabbath is coming one way or another. You can ignore this as long as you want, but it will eventually catch up to you. We are not built to go nonstop. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the hardest worker, most driven person in the world. None of us were built to go nonstop. So either you make the decision to stop or I promise something will stop you. This is an amazing quote that, that in my research this week I was able to find. And it says this, if we do not allow for a rhythm of rest in our overly busy lives, illness becomes our Sabbath, our pneumonia, our heart attack, our accidents create Sabbath for us. I recently heard a story of a businessman in Japan who for years worked as many as, get this, 110 hours a week. To put that into perspective, that's more than two and a half 40 hour work weeks jammed into one. That requires working 16 hours a day for seven days. And he did this day after day, 
week after week, month after month, year after year. And his coworkers came in one morning and found him dead at his workstation, the victim of a heart attack. He was 34 years old. And I believe that he'd already worked a lifetime. And I can tell you from personal experience that Sabbath is coming one way or another. See, I grew up in church, that's my story. Uh, Maybe that's your story, maybe it's not. But I grew up in church, but I was never taught this fundamental, ever. For 30 years of my life, I was completely ignorant to rest and Sabbath and what it meant and what it is and what it's not. It was never part of my life. It was never part of the rhythm or the flow of my life. And then in my eighth year of full-time ministry, so my eighth year after college, doing my profession, in my career, of going hard, trying to reach people, because I'm very driven. I'm very competitive. I'm a, like, I, I like to pride myself on being a hard worker. And honestly, there's times where I find my identity in what I do. And so eight years into that, eight years into that cycle, I found myself in a busier season of life when I was going nonstop. I literally was working all the time. I was barely sleeping. I was out most nights. And this is what it felt like. I felt like I was a professional plate spinner. And I was really good at it. And deep down, I really liked it. It scratched this very unhealthy itch on the inside of me of significance, of purpose, that look at all the stuff that I'm doing. Look at all the things that I'm making a difference in. Look at all the people whose lives are being changed. And it felt so noble because I was helping people and it was ministry and it was a way to serve people. And it was, it was such this, this noble, this badge of busyness that I was wearing and showing everybody this is awesome. And I did that day after day, month after month, year after year. And then all of a sudden, literally like this, all of a sudden I started to develop some very chronic health problems that I, I couldn't shake. And up until that point in my life, I've always been healthy. I've always been able to shake stuff real quick, but there was these health problems that would not go away and it scared me to death and I didn't know. And the truth of it is, it happened almost every time that I would do public ministry. And so I would start to do public ministry and I'd lose my voice. And I'd start having these health problems or my ears would lock up. There was all these things that were physically going on and it scared me half to death. And I got him into a moment of desperation where I was like, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. I'm just trying to serve you. I don't know what's like, why is all these things happening? And I had this moment and this encounter with God that changed everything. And it's the only time in my life where I have personally experienced a supernatural touch from God and experienced a physical healing. I don't know where your theology is on that. All I know is what I know. That's what I experienced in that moment. And I experienced a physical healing for the first time in my life. I I never have since, it was only in that moment. But it was more than just a physical healing. It was like my eyes were open to where all the symptoms were coming from. That it really was like this physical expression of my soul being so worn out and so exhausted and so tired. And I knew I had to make changes. 
In fact, one of the things God spoke to me is that if you don't make changes, you're gonna lose your family. And can I tell you the, the, the thought that I had right after that? Because I thought of my two little boys and I thought of my two little boys growing up and being pastor kids that hated the church because it took their daddy away. And that their daddy was more busy building a church than being a dad. And that thought, two things that I love, probably more than anything else on planet earth, I love my, at least up way up there, is my boys and the local church. And for those two to hate each other, I literally got nauseous the first time I thought about it. And so I knew I had to make changes because it's one thing if you don't know, but it's a whole nother kind of wrong when you know and you just keep making that choice. So I knew I had to make changes, but the truth is I didn't know how. I'd, I'd never been taught this. I didn't know that this even existed, but I knew I had to make changes. And so I, I started I started asking some people around and started sharing my story because I knew I needed help. And then someone sat down and taught me this principle. And I started implementing it. And I started having a consistent day off and a day of rest, a day of Sabbath. And I'm gonna be honest, it was so uncomfortable at first. It was not this easy, okay, this is awesome. This is such a natural thing for me to disconnect everything in my head and just not, no, because I'd gotten in such an unhealthy habit that it took me a while to get out of that habit. So it was so unnatural. It was so like this awkward, like, okay, I'm trying this. I don't know if this is gonna happen. It was unnatural, uncomfortable, but over time it became a rhythm of my life. And get this when it became of not just something that I had to do, when it became part of who I am and my spiritual DNA, then and only then, and I truly believe these two things are connected. When it became part of who I was, it wasn't something I had to do, I wanted to do that now. When it became part of my DNA, right then and there's when God spoke to me for the first time about planting this church. I don't believe he would have ever given me this assignment if I didn't understand this principle. Because I would have, man, I would have, just like before that, I was sacrificing my family my children, my marriage, my friendships. I was sacrificing everything on the altar of ministry. Maybe that resonates because you're sacrificing your family and your marriage and your friendships on the altar of your career. And that's what I was doing there in that area of my life. I'm telling you, Sabbath has completely changed my life. And I believe with all my heart that it could change your life too. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and just ask God, God, what are you saying to me? Just pray that right then and there. Just ask God, God, what are you, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? And I think a message like this demands a response. So maybe it's very practical. Maybe it's to start this fundamental of Sabbath and taking a day of rest. And, and maybe if right now you can't, maybe right now you literally can't, maybe start with half a day and then work your way there. Have a goal to get there in a year, but start somewhere. And so maybe that response is very practical, but here's the truth. And here's what I want you to get. 
I want you to get with, just, just listen to this very carefully. Truth is, we cannot find true rest outside of Jesus. We can't. We can't find that true rest outside of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus, his invitation is come to me. All you who are tired and weary and burdened, and here's his promise, I will give you rest. And maybe you're here and you feel very far from God. And if that's you, the invitation today is not just to take a day off. The invitation is to come to Jesus and he will give you rest today. And we wanna give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to say, I wanna follow you with the rest, to, to start or restart a relationship with him. And then maybe you can start implementing these fundamentals, but it all starts with starting that relationship with Jesus. And so today, if you want to make that decision, you know that is your response today. In just a moment, I'm going to lead a prayer. And if you want to be included in that prayer on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand and say, include me in that prayer. I know that's the decision I need to make. I need to get right with God. I need a fresh start. I need to invite Jesus. I need to come to Jesus so I can experience true rest. If that's you on the count of three, just put your hand in the air, say, include me in that prayer. One, two, three. It's great. Got you, got you, got you. That's awesome. Got you, got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, I got you. It's awesome. I got you. You can put your hands down. And let's just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry if there's been time in my life where I've lived my life without you. Will you come live inside me? Change me. Will you make me brand new? God, I surrender my whole life to you. Everything. I give you everything. And today, I choose to follow you. We thank you for Jesus and the true rest that we can find in him. And it's through that mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray and everybody said, amen. Come on, church. Can we clap our hands and celebrate with all those that just made that decision? Come on. It's awesome. We are proud of you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 